What a testimony, eh? Great to be with you. Uh, I have to confess, I, I don't think I've been to the 530, certainly not, not for a few years, so it's really good to be here and to see you all. As Charles said, I've uh, been on staff now at King's for about six or seven weeks, and uh, it's great. They are slave drivers, they beat you, they drill you into the ground, but it's wonderful, it's great. So we've been looking at the Transform series, and uh, so far we've been looking at physical health, um, spiritual health, mental health, and this this evening I want to look at emotional health, and if you like, the title for today's talk is How to Deal with how you feel. Now, emotions are a funny thing, aren't they? Unlike thoughts, which tend to be quite tangible, you can sort of get hold of them, you can sort of think about them, and you can reject them or accept them. Emotions tend to be kind of harder to pin down, difficult to describe, and left unchecked, they can overwhelm us. And we all experience emotions, don't we, every day? Joy, um, happiness, sadness, anger, fear... All sorts of emotions. And in fact, some of us can experience a number of emotions in the space of just a few minutes. Now, I've got two boys, two lovely boys. Uh, I've got a three and a half year old called Hudson and a one year old called Leo. And there's a picture of them, I think, coming up behind me. There they are. Now, what kind of emotion are they expressing there? Any takers? Yeah, happiness, joy. They're they're having a whale of a time. They're, They're loving life. In fact, Leo was so exuberant in this moment, in his happiness, that he arched his back and he knocked his head on Hudson's face. And Hudson was like, oh! Now let's see the next picture. (laughs) Anger. That is Hudson's angry face. And believe me, he pulls that face quite a lot and you don't want to mess with Hudson when he's angry. And so in his anger... He did not sin, though he did sin in his anger, unfortunately. He decided to clip Leo round the head, and then we end up with this. (laughs) Leo bursts into tears, goes into a moment of despair and anguish. As good parents, we tell Hudson off, and Hudson bursts into tears, and we've got all sorts of emotions going on in the room. And five seconds it took to go from happiness to anger to sadness. It's crazy. Being a parent is emotional, I tell you. So um, it's great. It's a fun thing to look at emotions up and down, but there's a more serious side to it. Some of us in this room, maybe even today, perhaps you are struggling with this sort of up and down of of emotions. And as I bring this message today, it's not a theoretical message for me. It's something I've lived through. I've had a period, one, one period in particular in my life, where I have felt emotional pressure, when I have been emotionally burnt out. It was a time when my Dad was ill, um, he, he got terminal cancer, and there was a six-month period of real, real tough hardship for us as he struggled and battled with that and eventually died. And meanwhile, while this was going on, I was leading a church plant as a single guy, and there were all sorts of pressures that were linked with that. It was, it was at that time, quite tough going, and the convergence of these two moments left me feeling emotionally overwhelmed, and in fact, I I got burnt out. It was a tough, tough time, and so that's kind of a bit of my experience coming to this message. And so I'll share a bit more about that a little bit later. But what I want to do is to take us to the Bible and ask the question, what does the Bible teach us about emotions? Well, firstly, the Bible tells us that God has emotions, God has emotions. So you look through any part of scripture, you see numerous descriptions of 
displays of God's emotion. He's a passionate God, isn't he? Uh, here's a couple of examples for you. Isaiah 62.5 says, As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. Jeremiah 48.31 says, Nor does God limit his compassion to his children. He says, I wail over Moab. For all Moab, I cry out. These aren't just words on a page. You can feel the emotion, can't you? You can feel the passion in God's voice. And when we look at Jesus, God become man, we see again, time after time, Jesus not afraid to express emotion. In fact, the shortest verse in the Bible is one of the most profound. Jesus wept. The God of the universe came to earth as a man and he wept over the death of his friend. So God has emotions. Secondly, my emotions are a gift from God. That might be one thing, that, the only thing that some of you take away from today. My emotions are a gift from him. In Genesis 1.26 we read God having a conversation with himself as part of the Trinity and he says, let us make mankind in our image. So because God has, has emotions and we're made in his image, he has therefore created us with emotions. They're a gift from him. But with any gift, we have to kind of be careful with it. And with emotions, there are a couple of extremes that we need to avoid. And the two extremes that I want to talk about, and some of these might resonate with you, are on the one hand, emotionalism, and on the other hand, stoicism. What does emotionalism tell us? Well, it tells us that how I feel is all that matters. Ultimately, it's more important than what I think. It doesn't matter what's right or wrong. It doesn't really matter what's popular or unpopular, good or bad. If it feels good, do it. I don't know if that's you. Earlier we looked at my son Hudson, and, and uh, as a dad I like to do good things for my children. Yeah, I like to be a good dad. And so frequently I will give him biscuits, because I spoil him. Shh, don't tell my wife, okay? And I, I give him biscuits, but I often make the critical error that parents all over the world have made, and I'm sure many of you who've got children have made this error, and I give him a tarnished biscuit, a biscuit that's a little bit broken, and as I give it to him, because he's been brought up well and is very polite, he says, thank you, Daddy, for my biscuit. And then as soon as he sees it's broken, he's like, but Daddy, it's broken! Fix it for me! That face, oh gosh, breaks my heart. Anyway, he responds like that. Can you imagine if we responded like that at work? You go, oh, I went over to the photocopy and I was like, the photocopy is broken, Levan, the photocopy is broken, help! And I roll around on the floor in despair. Can you imagine that? It would be, it would be a nightmare. The world would be a nightmare to live in. But we need to, uh, to be careful. And you might not be that extreme, but you might tend towards that extreme. And if you do, for you, emotions become a guide. There's something that you follow. So, so for example, you might be sad... And if you follow that emotion of sadness, it can take you to misery and despair. Perhaps you feel fear, and fear could take you towards trepidation and dread. If we follow our emotions, they can take us to some dark places. Maybe you're more of a Stoic. Sto Stoicism is something that, that you struggle with, maybe. Stoics say feelings aren't important. Intellect is important, it's king. Emotions kind of muddy the waters. They get in the way. They're a, they're a sign of weakness. And some of us guys can, can act like that sometimes. Oh, no, no I, don't, I don't get emotional. It's, oh, no, no, it's weak. But that's an extreme. And in that sense, you kind of see emotions as a prisoner. 
you imprison your emotions. And that can work out very badly if we're not careful. They can blow up in your face at the most inopportune moments. So why is managing our emotions important? Well, firstly, because my feelings are often unreliable. Proverbs 14, uh, verse 12 says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end leads to death. Appears to be right. Often people say to, to, to me, trust your gut, your gut instinct, go with your gut instinct. And quite often our gut instinct does turn out to be right. But the problem is if we're always relying on how we feel about something, particularly if we're making big decisions, then in the end we're going to get led down the wrong path. And so we have to be careful that we're not purely relying on our feelings. Let me illustrate this with an event that occurred in 1930 in a small town in Oklahoma. And in this small town, one high school seemed to lose all of their football games, when I say football, I mean American football, um, that they played against their arch rival from a neighbouring school. It was dire. The, the bigger the game, the worse they lost. And so a wealthy oil producer decided to take matters into his own hands and he asked if he could speak to the team in the locker room after one of their humiliating defeats. And what transpired was one of the most fantastic football speeches of all time. This businessman proceeded to offer a brand new car to every member of the team if they beat their arch rivals once. Can you imagine that? How wealthy is that guy to give away cars like that? Now, as you can imagine, the whole team went crazy with sheer delight. They howled and they cheered and slapped each other on their padded behinds. For seven days, the boys ate and drank and breathed football. At night, they dreamed about touchdowns. The entire school caught the spirit of ecstasy and a holiday fever pervaded the campus. And finally, the big night arrived and emotions were at an all-time high. And they gathered together on the pitch, they did their huddle and they did their big rah, and they charged at their uh, enemies and they were roundly demolished, 38 points to nil. The team's exuberance didn't translate to a single point on the scoreboard. Seven days of positivity simply couldn't compensate for the players' lack of discipline and conditioning and practice and study and coaching and experience and character. Such is the nature of emotions. They can be very unreliable and lead us in the wrong direction. Secondly, the reason I manage my emotions is because I don't want to be manipulated. If you're guided by emotions, then other people can take advantage of you. Who here likes a good advert? Yeah? Who likes adverts? Yeah, I hate adverts. They're awful. Get them out of the way. But my wife, she regularly cries at adverts. And advertisers, they're so good, aren't they, at at manipulating, that they sort of connect with you emotionally and they sort of manipulate how you feel in order to make you buy something. And uh, making buying decisions based only on emotions is called impulse buying. Who here's an impulse buyer? Confess? No, no hands? Oh, man, come on, come on. Now, my wife is an impulse buyer. I regularly watch her bank account deplete. What's going on? She's bought something else again. Now, I would say I'm not an impulse buyer. You know, I'm pretty good. I'll just weigh up the options. But one time, I went to buy a pint of milk at Sainsbury's, as you do, one, one evening, and I pulled up. I didn't park in one of the normal parking spots. I parked in the loading bay, jumped out of the car, ran in, got my pint of milk, and as I was running towards the till, suddenly I was confronted with this amazing display. It was colourful. It was bright. It was exuberant. 
and it said for only four ninety nine at the top, and I thought, what's only four ninety nine? I looked down, and it was the it was the Naked Gun trilogy, and I thought to myself, four ninety nine for three amazing films? I'm going to have that. And I weighed it up for a moment, grabbed it, went to the till, bought it, went to my car, and guess what? Ticket. Ugh! Parking ticket. So I had to go home, head hung low, to confess to my wife, I've got a ticket. I'm so sorry, my love. And she, what do you think she, her reaction was? No, she, she, did, she didn't like that very much at all. But in my stupidity, I pulled out from behind my back the Naked Gun trilogy and said, it's okay, I've got the Naked Gun trilogy. As you can imagine, she just thought I was an idiot. But anyway, Proverbs 25, 28 tells us, Like an open city with no defences is the man with no check on his feelings. That's a powerful verse, isn't it? It's essentially saying if you don't manage your emotions, then you are vulnerable like a, a city without any defences. And anyone can get in, and it's not just the advertisers and the salesmen, but Satan can get in. And Satan is devious. He doesn't create anything. God creates every emotion that we experience, even the darker emotions. They're God's creation. But what Satan does is he can take them and twist them and manipulate them and make you feel worse than you should be feeling. So we need to be careful. And the third reason we manage our emotions is because we want to please God. If I simply make all my decisions based on how I feel, then I've made my feelings my God. And when that happens, I'm not pleasing him. Romans 8, 6 to 8 says, If our minds are ruled by our desires, we will die. But if our minds are ruled by the Spirit, we will have life and peace. Our desires fight against God because they do not and cannot obey God's laws. If we follow our desires, we cannot please God. So we manage our emotions because we want to please him. So the the next question Uh, that follows from that is, how then do I manage my emotions, particularly those negative emotions, those difficult-to-handle ones at times? And to to answer this, I felt in God as I was preparing that we need to turn to the life of Jesus. And one story in particular sprang to mind, and it was the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to be crucified. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, it'll come up on the screen. It's Mark chapter 14 and verses 32 to 38. And it says the following. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. What a moment in Jesus' life. And I want to pull out five things that we can learn from how he managed such intense emotions at that time. The first thing I want to say is is when we're experiencing a powerful emotion is to name it, to to work out what it is that we're feeling. We, We read that Jesus was 
it says was deeply distressed and troubled, but that, although they're very descriptive, that doesn't actually pinpoint precisely what he was feeling. In fact, Jesus then goes on to say, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus names it. He says, I'm feeling sorrow, deep sadness and sorrow. Now, I don't know about you, but often I find it hard to work out what I'm feeling. Have you ever had that moment where you're just feeling kind of troubled, like it says there, but you're kind of not sure why or what it is. I can't quite put my finger on, on what it is. It's, it's sometimes difficult, isn't it? I've got a friend who went to marriage counselling and he sat down with a counsellor and the first thing the counsellor asked is, do you think you're in touch with your emotions? To which my friend said, well, of course. I'm a modern man, I'm sensitive, I'm in touch with my emotions. And so immediately the uh, counsellor, wanting to trap him, obviously, says to him, So, can you just tell me some emotions that you felt this week? My friend went blank. And all he could muster in that moment of pressure was, uh, I felt tired and hungry. Now, often that's what I will say to my wife. I'm just tired. I'm hungry. Yeah? But it can be difficult sometimes to define how we feel. Psalm 55, 2 says, My thoughts are restless and I'm confused. And we can feel like that. Now, as I said earlier, I went through a time of real pressure, a time of emotional struggle, and during that time I went to see a counsellor regularly, which can be a really good thing to do. And uh, I remember this counsellor just saying to me once, here are a list of emotions, I want you to take those and every day look at that list and choose one or more of those emotions to describe how you're feeling and just write it down in your book and pray about it. And although that's a very simple thing, I found it so helpful just to pinpoint what it is I was feeling, because once I knew what I was feeling, I knew what I was dealing with and how I could manage it. So, name it. Second thing Jesus does is he shares it. Jesus brought his emotions out into the open. He brought them into the light and shared them with his disciples. And it's so important to do that when you're uh, managing your emotions. We we mustn't be like the Stoics that I mentioned earlier who sort of press them down and and say, no, 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 I'm not going to have this. But actually, we need to bring them out into the open. Psalm 32.3 says, When I kept things to myself, I felt weak deep inside me. I moaned all day long. You can do damage to yourself when you keep it all inside, when you don't bring it out into the, emotion, uh, into the open. Someone once said, Emotions heal when heard and validated. And it's interesting because what Jesus does next is he asks for help. So the God of heaven as man, in a situation where he's feeling overwhelmed, he asks his disciples, stay here and keep watch, stand with me. Now, they didn't do a very good job, did they? They kept falling asleep while Jesus was struggling, but the principle remains that we should be people who share our emotion and and ask people to help us. Now, I, I personally wasn't very good at that. I had a good friend who I lived with who I shared with a bit, But on the whole, I I, I struggled to share my emotions with people. I just found myself thinking, if I share what I'm feeling about the church plant and the struggles I'm having with it and the fact my dad's dying and I'm, I'm just finding it hard and all that, I'm just scared people will reject me. People will say, well, he's not good enough. He's not up to the job. He's not capable. And so I'm not going to share it. I'm just going to battle through. I'm just going to hold it inside. I'm just going to keep going. Do you know what? That's a lie that Satan would speak to you. He would say, no, if you share this, people are going to say you're stupid, you're not very good. But actually, we find when you're vulnerable with people, people will respond to that 
and they come alongside and they come to help you and they stand with you in it. It's powerful. So I'd encourage you to do that. Third thing that we do to manage our emotions is to pray to God about it. Later in the passage it says, going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. What a prayer in a moment of pain and anguish. This wasn't Jesus offering pious sort of niceties to God, sort of saying, oh God, you're a great God, you're my daddy, which is fantastic, and actually, great, thanks God for being you, you're wonderful, you're great, you're amazing. Emotions, down, stay there, stay there. I don't want to, sh- I don't want to share those with, with God. No, not with God. I'm going to say, God, oh God, I'm just going to be positive with you. No, 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 what Jesus does is he is raw, he is real. He, he cries out to God. In anguish, he cries out to him. And I would encourage you, be real with God. God's a big God. He can handle your anger. He can handle your anguish. I found myself at times going out into the park and just shouting to God. I didn't know what to say. I just said, God, help. Help. I don't know how to deal with this situation. Help is a good word. It's a good word to say to God. We need to be like that. We need to pray to to him. And do you know what? When we pray to him... God loves to rush to his children and he comes to strengthen and to comfort us and in the moment we might not necessarily feel that immediacy of his strengthening but he does, he comes. And in Luke's version of the passage after Jesus has prayed it says this in Luke 22, 43 an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. It's funny because then it goes on straight after that to say so he prayed very hard in anguish. So he continued praying, he was strengthened, but he was still in anguish. God comes to strengthen us in the midst of our pain. Fourthly, submit your emotion to God's will. It says that Jesus, Jesus said, Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. So he was, he was saying, Take this from me, but I want to submit it to you. Could you imagine if Jesus had allowed his emotions to control him in this moment. Imagine if he'd said, I hate this feeling, I don't feel like doing this, therefore I will base my decision upon what I feel. If that that had happened, there would be no cross, there would be no death and resurrection, there would be no way back for us sinners into the presence of a holy God. If he'd have just said, oh, this emotion, it's my guide, I'm just going to follow it to its logical conclusion. Praise God that he went through and we see that he struggled. He struggled. He said it. He prayed three times to have the cup removed, yet he was more interested in doing the will of the Father than what he felt like doing. We need to submit how we're feeling to God. We need to bring it to him, to his altar. And if necessary, bring it three times, four times, five times, numerous times a day. Keep bringing it back to him because as we do so, he will change our thoughts, patterns, he will make us think in a way that, that, that receives from him and, and he will change how we feel. So submit it to God's will. And the last thing I would say, the fifth thing I would say about managing our emotions is change it. Change it. Now, I know you're thinking, well, sometimes we, what we're experiencing is so deep and so profound and so overwhelming that there's no way I can change it on my own. In those moments, God will come and help you. But there are times when we can do something to change our emotions. 
C.S. Lewis, in his book Mere Christianity, wrote, Do not waste your time bothering whether you love your neighbour. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love him. If you injure someone you dislike, you will find yourself disliking him more. If you do him a good turn, you will find yourself disliking him less. It's powerful, isn't it? There's something powerful about choosing a different emotion. And a bit later in the the Mark 14 passage, in verse 41, it says, Jesus came back a third time and said to them, you might as well go to sleep now. It's all over. The time has come. Get up. Let's go. Now, it's kind of quite a comical passage because he sort of comes to his disciples, "Oh, oh, you might as well just go to sleep now completely. But then he says, come on, get up. Let's go. Can you notice the difference from what had happened a few verses before? Jesus in deep anguish, and and now he appears to have resolved to do something different. He seems to have resolved to go ahead and press on and move forward. Hebrews 12.2 says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And though this passage doesn't explicitly say it, I can imagine that he's suddenly thinking, right, okay, the joy set before me. Many people will come to know the Father because of what I'm about to do. And he, he, he turns his mind to that. Now, I'm not saying he went off happy as Larry going, well, hey, off I go to the cross, brilliant. No, but in the midst of what he was feeling, he decided, I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to move forward in him. Jesus chose joy. And do you know what? When we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we look to him, we are choosing joy because in him is fullness of joy, Psalm 16 tells us. Look to him in, in that moment and choose joy. To conclude, I just want to say this. that I don't know if you've noticed, but my friends and work colleagues and others um, often choose to pursue, above all else, happiness and try and dampen down negative emotion. Do you see that in the world around you? That's, the, that's a common thing, isn't it? People's pursuit is a pursuit of happiness and they try and dampen down everything else. Now, God lo- loves us to be happy, but if happiness is our ultimate pursuit, then we are going to be sorely disappointed. We need to pursue him with all our energy. His plan is greater than our plan. And if we come to him, he will draw near to us. And we can know that actually he's got purposes that are beyond what we know. I'm going to finish by reading a poem. And as I do, I'm going to ask Neil just to come up to the stage. Now this poem is something that means a lot to me. My wife said to me as I was preparing this, and she said to me, Andy, you need to tell them kind of some of the ways, you, how, how did you come out of this? What helped you in this moment of real pain and anguish? And I said to my wife, obviously being a loving husband, well, well obviously you helped me, my love. You know, we were going out at the time. You helped me in that moment, yes. But there was this poem that I discovered, that I read, and I just thought, wow, that really revolutionised my thinking. And I'm, I'm just going to read it to you um, as Neil play, plays. It's called The Weaver. My life is but a weaving between my Lord and me. I cannot choose the colours. He worketh steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper and I the underside. 
not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly, shall God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skilful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned.